So we are in a series called Scars, the Art of Healing. And this morning, before we jump in, um, once again, I want to define wounds and scars. Wounds are injuries that are unhealed. So we talk about being wounded. Those are injuries that are unhealed. Scars, on the other hand, are, are, are healed wounds. They're created from wounds that have been healed. So I said a couple of weeks ago, it, it's, it's okay to have multiple scars all over your body, you know what I mean, whether emotional or physical, um, but it is not a good thing to have multiple wounds all over your body. So the difference between wounds and scars. Um, I have a question for all of you this morning. Um, are you ready to be healed? That's a question that we need to all consider. Are you ready to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Jesus asked the same question in John chapter 5 in verse 6. He comes up to a, a man who had been there for a long, long time. And he says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? When you first read that, you're like, what kind of question is that? It's a great question. Do you want to get well? To help answer that question, I want to um, go back to a story that is so, has been so impactful in my own life. And I, I want to I look at the journey of God's people from captivity in Egypt to their way, making their way to the promised land. Now, most of you know the story, right? Moses goes into Egypt. People have been crying out for relief for years and years. And God responds and he sends Moses and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And we go through all of this and they, they, they leave Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They go through all these experiences. So what I want to do is pick up on the story in Numbers chapter 13. We're going to go through Numbers 13, 26 through 14, 10. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole uh, Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Now, this was this was Moses sending out the 12 leaders to spy out the promised land. And here's what happened. They reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and and their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land that we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. 
That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we would have died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through is and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he will give it to us. Do only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. When the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And then in verses, jump into verse 20 through 23, it continues. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will enter and see it. Then we jump to verses 28 and 29. So I tell them, surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say in this wilderness. Your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. So we're going to look at as we go on this journey, okay, taking this journey with the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. We're going to be looking at some principles over the next couple of weeks that we can learn, that we can take with us, that we can use and help us turn our wounds into scars. So the first principle that we can learn from this journey is that if we're going to turn our wounds into scars, we need to follow God's call. We need to follow God's call. Every single person in this room, okay, has been called by God to go from woundedness to healing. To be healed from wounds to scars. God is calling all of us. God wants all of us to be healthy. God wants all of us to be strong in Him. He wants to take those things that were inflicted upon us and turn those wounds into scars. So many people in this world have resigned themselves to die in their woundedness. Let me say that again because it's so true. There are so many people around the world, in this, even in the room, in this room, who have resigned themselves to dying in their woundedness rather than choose to, to take God's spiritual, to His path to spiritual and emotional health. They're choosing. This is a choice. 
They would rather die in the desert. Look at the people of Israel. They would rather die in the desert than fulfill God's call on their lives. His call, his purpose, his plan for their lives and live in the promised land. They're saying we'd just rather what we should just die in the desert. Instead of moving forward, instead of, instead of doing what God has called them to do and entering the promised land, they'd rather just die in the desert. They'd rather just they'd wallow in what they're living in now. We all have a choice to live out God's plan and purpose for our lives or to waste away in the desert. When we're wounded, we are in the desert. We may be walking and we should be walking through and moving forward. But some people just languish in the desert, stay where they are. That's why Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well in your life? You've got to ask yourself, what am I choosing? What are we choosing? Are we comfortable? Are we comfortable with mediocrity? Are we comfortable just to, ex- just to exist in our current wounded state? Think, think about that. Are you just comfortable in, in, your, in your, just your Christian mediocrity or, or you just, this, this existence you're going through right now and, and staying in your wounded state? Or do you desire more from your Christian life? When you came to Christ, man, you thought, boy, Christ, he, you came to Christ because you knew that he could deliver you from your woundedness and turn them into scars. Scars are things that can be used. Yes, you went through that event, but now it's scarred. Now you see it and you say you remember it, but it doesn't have control of your emotions. It doesn't dictate your destiny like a wound does. And you knew Christ could do that. And then all of a sudden, something came along and just kept you, kept you bound, kept you in, is keeping you in captivity. Now, I need to be clear. If you choose to follow God's path, if you choose this journey, it will not be easy. Any stretch of the imagination, you are going to have to face giants. You're going to have to confront armies. You may, you, may have, you may have to draw enough faith to attempt to walk across water. That's how much you've been through. And you may need to walk across in faith. You may need to step out and try to walk across the water. There will be times on this journey that you're looking right in front of you and you're saying, Can I pass through the sea? But you're going to have to try to pass through the sea. You're going to have to face lions. God may call you to go to Nineveh. Maybe there's some people who have inflicted things upon you that in your heart you hate them. And God is calling you to go back and maybe confront it. To deal with it. Maybe even forgive it. He may be calling you to go to Nineveh. But one thing he's definitely going to call you to do if you're going to be on this journey is to pick up your cross every day and follow him. But I'm going to tell you, if you do those things, when you face those things, if you keep going through, when the lions come, if you stand your ground and you hold your ground with the full armor of God and you go through this, the results will be miraculous, but it won't be easy. The results will be absolutely miraculous in your lives. And I know it's in you because Christ lives in you. 
I know that you want to be more than you thought you were capable of being. I know you want to do more than you thought you were capable of doing. But then when you step out and try sometimes, you've tried it before. When you step out and try, the enemy screams at you. You're not strong enough to take this journey. You're not strong enough to take this journey. What makes you think that you're capable of trying to do something this bold and this courageous? What in your life has ever proven that you can take a journey like this? You just got to stay where you are. Don't even, don't even, listen. This guy seems very excited about what he's saying, okay? But it wasn't, it's not meant for you. It's meant for these other people around you, but it's not. We all know you, but it's it's not meant for you. It's meant for everybody else. So let them get excited, feel good about it, and then leave and just stay where you are. The enemy will keep speaking lies into your heart to keep you exactly where you are. They speak in the lies. They, they yell those things. Who what makes you think you're capable? And then fear begins to set into your life. Your chair that you're sitting in right now, you're coming to church, but your chair becomes like a bench on the sidelines of a game. You're, you're on God's team, but seldom do you actually get up from the chair or the bench and actually get into the game. The voice of the enemy keeps telling you, stay in your seat where it's safe. Just stay where it's safe. Don't, you know, again, just, this is all fun and this is dandy. Maybe, maybe you can make some little changes in your life that'll make you feel better. You know, but don't, listen, don't, don't open that up again. You, you can't handle it. So just stay on your bench, stay in your seat where it's safe. It's a safe place for you to be. And then the bench becomes a trap for you while you watch other people who who had the courage to begin this journey and those people begin to shine like stars for God in the sky. They just they begin to shine and you see change in their lives and, and it just becomes this awful feeling for you because you were you wouldn't take that journey because fear set in and keeps you right where you are. That's what Satan wants. He wants you to stay. You may be saved, okay? He can't fix, he can't change that. You're going to heaven. He can't change that. Know what he can change? Know what he can do? Keep you right where you are. Wounds are fine. Best not to mess with them. You know what it's going to be like if you open up that can of worms. Let's just, let's just get through, let's just get through life. Let's just make it through this life. Let's not try to go any further than that. And you'll be safe and it'll be fine. And you'll be afraid and you'll be in captivity and you'll be in slavery and you'll be in mediocrity. But you know what? It's better than what may come. You need to realize that God, that our God is in complete control. And that fear, that kind of fear is the enemy. And it is the roadblock to turning our wounds into scars. When David David faced Goliath, okay? Because this is so much, so much fear lives in this building from the past. So much fear of, boy, I don't want to try that. If, what if I go out for that and I don't make it? Last time I felt so, and oh yeah, because you're not good enough. All these lies. And so fear begins to build up. 
But we need to realize that we have a God who is in control. We have a God who lives in us. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have a purpose. We have a plan. And God wants to fulfill that purpose and plan. He wants you to take, He wants to take you from Egypt in captivity and slavery and move you on to the promised land so that you can fulfill everything that God has created you to do. Because here's the reality. One person, one Christian who is willing to step out and fulfill their purpose and plan that God has ordained them for is dangerous. They're a dangerous human being. So we got to keep him under. And here's the thing. David had to face his giant, right? Named Goliath. We all have giants that stand in our way and try to scare us. You stay, just stay where you are. Well, yeah, okay. David had a giant named Goliath. But it seems to me that David wasn't really too afraid of Goliath. You know why he wasn't afraid of Goliath? Because David knows something that we know here, but he knew it here and here. He knew that his God was with him. He wasn't fighting this battle alone. We don't fight this battle alone. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 41 through 47, it says this. Meanwhile, the Philistine, Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at David. He looked him over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. Let me stop right there. Giant, the giants in your life hate it when you're healthy. Hate it. Healthy? Healthy people are dangerous. We don't need people to be healthy. What giants in your life want you to do is they want to keep you the walking wounded. As long as you're the walking wounded, as long as you're the, when God calls you to do something miraculous, when God calls you to do something outside the box, when God calls you to invest in someone's life, oh, you're not, oh, yo, oh. I'm not, sure I, I'm not sure I can do that. What am I going to do? Because we're afraid our giants hate it when we're healthy. They want to keep us the walking wounded. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Ooh. Then David, this teenager, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This day I will give your carcasses, the carcasses of the Philistine army, to the birds and to the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Did you hear that? The battle belong, doesn't belong to me. It's not my, it doesn't belong to me. It's God's battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord and my God doesn't ever lose battles. Ever. My God never loses a battle, ever. Ever. So whatever I take on, if there's a wound in my life, and there are wounds in my life, and I am taking them on, I am taking them on with everything I have because He is what I have. 
We need to take on these battles because our God is the one who fights the battles for us. And he never loses a battle. He's calling you. He's calling you to a place of healing. He is calling you, not not the person next to you. Stop letting the enemy speak into your heart and your mind. Not the person next to you. He is calling you. He's calling you and you need to follow. You need to be obedient and you need to follow. The second principle we can learn here is that if you're going to take this journey, it is not going to be easy at all. Because first there needs to be an exodus. The decision to leave, the choice to leave, the courage to leave. You say, yeah, sure. Why would you want to stay here in slavery in Egypt? Why would you want to stay there? I mean, Exodus, I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with these people? They you know they get out. They don't. Oh, I don't want to be here anymore. Let's go back to Egypt, you know, because that's easy, right? No, it is not. There needs to be an, an exodus, a, 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 a challenge in your own mind, the courage in your own mind and heart to leave. It is very difficult, often very difficult for us to leave our comfort zone. Really difficult for you to leave your comfort zone. Those friends that you know are are harming you. The, these, these, the, these friends that you have, these wrong, these people that, that you need to let go from your life. That really unhealthy relationship that you've been in. But I've been in this relationship for four years and I don't want to waste that time. So you stick with an unhealthy relationship. You ever tried to overcome those, those habits in your life that are negatively affecting you? Ever tried to overcome those addictions in your life that are negatively affecting you? How about leaving that terrible job that you're in that's, that's just dragging you down? Let me explain something. People, most people, function in dysfunction. And most people function in dysfunction because it's comfortable. Because it's comfortable. It's what they know. It's what they know. They don't want to move forward. This is comfortable. I mean, I, I, hey, I've survived with this wound long enough. I'll survive with it, you know, until the day I die. It is comfortable. So they, they, they wallow. They stay. They, 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 they function in dysfunction because it's comfortable. Remember what happened when it got really difficult for the people of Israel, the children of Israel? What did they do? They said, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back, listen, let's go back into captivity. Let's go back into slavery. Let's go back into mediocrity. Let's go back where it was safe. We had food. We were slaves. We were in captivity. Life wasn't so... We cried out to God for years and He delivered us. But you know, this looks a little scary. Let's go back into captivity. Let's go... And, that's, and you think, that's crazy, is it? Is it? Here's a principle that I have been fighting my entire life as a pastor when it, help, when it comes to helping people move forward. For most people, present pain is better than an unknown future. Write that down. Present pain for most people is better than an unknown future. They don't want to, hey, 
We're in the desert. Let's just keep eating manna in the desert. I mean, I know it flows with milk and honey. And boy, we can live out all that God has for us. But, you know, manna, eh, that's not so bad. Or better yet, let's go back to Egypt and stay in captivity and stay in slavery. And keep, just continue to be wounded. Let's just die in this desert of our wounds. And you think, that's crazy. And I say, is it? For most people... The idea of going somewhere where they're not sure exactly what's going to happen, what's it going to be like, what what am I going to feel, what am I going to experience, am I going to be able to do it, for that, that keeps people in bondage. So let me, let me ask, let me repeat Jesus' question to everyone. Do you want to get well? Let me ask, let me specifically ask every single person in this room. Do you want to get well? That is a question every single person here needs to answer. We could sit here and say, yeah, whoa, and then we've got to answer Jesus' question. Do you, Jeff Greer, do you want to get well? If the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, then you need to have the courage to leave the desert. You're in the desert. You need to have the courage to leave the desert. We need to turn away. We need to, we need to turn away from the past. We need to turn away from slavery. We need to turn away from our captivity. We need to turn away from our mediocrity and allow God to turn our wounds into scars. That's what needs to happen. We cannot stay in the desert and we can't go back to Egypt. Neither one of those are acceptable. The only path is forward. The only journey is God's journey. And we need to be on it. Instead of watching other people. Instead of reading books about how this person transformed their whole life. And getting so motivated and excited by it. Get on the journey. Get on the journey. Get on that path. You, some of us, seriously. Here's, what, here's what's happening. You ever watch those old movies where they have like wagons or pulled by horses. And after a while there's like these ruts. That get in the road, deep ruts, and the wheels, they get those wheels in the ruts, and they just go, and they just stay in the rut. And that's what some of us are doing, staying in a rut. Get your wheels out of the rut and get on a different path. That's what God is saying. Do you want to get well? We need to draw on the power of God to make that happen. We need to draw on the power, the power that freed the Israelites from the strength of Egypt. We need to draw on the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead because that power lives in us. And we need to live that out in our lives. We need to be willing to step out in faith. We need to be willing because sometimes, here's the, here's the reality of life. Sometimes when you're on this journey, sometimes you, you've got to cross the raging Jordan before you can get to the promised land. I take that back every time. 
You're going to face the raging Jordan River before you can get to the promised land. Before you can get to the mountaintop and say, I've arrived. You ever see those pictures? Everybody's always standing on the mountaintop with their hands up. Before you can stand on the mountaintop with your hands up, you got to go through the Jordan. Before you stand on the mountaintop, you got to go through the valley. There's no way around it. If you're getting to the top of the mountain, you need to go through the valley. And even sometimes the valley of the shadow of death. That's how it feels. It's not easy. Listen... I know some of you don't consider yourself a leader. Like you say, well, I'm, 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 I'm not a leader. I'm that, I just don't consider myself a leader. But in this, in this situation, you need to become the leader of your own life. You need to become the leader of your own health. You need to become the leader of your own healing through the power of Jesus Christ. You need to step up and you need to lead in this area. You need to become a leader who believes in yourself and God's ability to turn your wounds into healing. The scars. You need to be that kind of leader. We need to be, all of us, we need, in this situation, we need to be aggressive. We need to be bold. We need to be consistent. We need to be relentless. And we need to be patient. Because what I'm saying to you is we're in this for the long haul. Healing is a process. Now, for some, it may be a miraculous healing and God heals your heart. And in just in a few weeks or whatever, you will feel like it's a scar. But it may take years, but we need to be ready. We need to be ready that it is a process and we need to lead through it. We need to lead through it. Turning your wounds into scars will only be a dream until you step out in faith and take the land. The giants live in the land, you think. There's giants in that land. There's fortification. How am I going to do it? We need to have the faith to step out. We need to have the faith of Caleb and Joshua to step out. And we need to take that land. You need to be strong. You, here's, you, you don't have to be a super person. You need to be strong enough to recruit others to your cause of healing. You have a cause of healing. You want to be healed in this area. You need to recruit other people to your cause of healing. Because here's the deal. You can't do this alone. All I'm asking you to do is have enough, have enough leadership ability to grab the people who are strong around you. And then you charge them out, but you lead them, but you're not doing it alone. And you can't do it alone. You know why you can't do it alone? You know why when you pull yourself up by your own bootstrap, they snap? And sometimes, sometimes, how many times you said, oh, they say, oh, you just got to dig down deep. And you dig down deep and you come up with nothing because there's nothing left. So you need people. You need to be strong enough and a leader enough to gather the people around that you need to take on the giants that you're going to face because they are amassing against you. The fact that I'm even, the fact that as a church we're even talking about this since the day we started, since the day we started talking about this series, my life has been really hard. Really hard. Demons can't read your mind. The enemy can't read your mind. They're not God. But they can hear your words. And the last thing that the enemy wants is for the people of this church to get healthy. What did, what did Goliath say? He despised him. 
glowing with health. He despised him. Your enemies will stand against you. And not only in the spiritual realm, but here's one of the most discouraging things that you may come up against. People that you thought should be on your side. People you thought were going to be recruited to your army. People you thought were going to help carry you or do whatever. Just be on your side. They instead want you to stay in the valley with them. I mean, how many times have we experienced this in our lives? Those people that we think are going to be encouraging to us and we say, I got to deal with this. This is something that was inflicted upon me and has been affecting my life and is dictating my destiny. I can't have it anymore. And you think they're going to be like, what do I what do I need to do? And what instead they want you to stay in the valley with them. Why? Why? Because misery loves company. Cowards love crowds. That's why. It's like the crab in the bucket. You ever go crabbing? Anybody ever been crabbing before? I've been crabbing in my life. I lived in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, and we go crabbing every once in a while. And I remember what happened when you go crabbing, okay? And this is just a, a reality. You get a bucket for crabs, and you get, it's about this deep. And you go around, you're catching these crabs, you put them in your bucket. You know, you don't need a lid on the bucket. You know why you don't need a lid on the bucket? Because if one crab thinks he's going to crawl out of the bucket, the other crabs will inevitably all the time grab him and pull him back down into the bucket. Every time. So you get a bucket of crabs and the crab's like, this doesn't look too hard. I can do this. Crawl, 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 snap, pull down. What are you doing? Here, here's, here's the point. I, I remember when we started back-to-back ministries, we spent a lot of time down downtown Cincinnati. We bought a couple of houses. We were renovating these houses. We bring our youth ministry down there, and we would work with people down there. I remember one young man, and he had he had some gumption, man. He 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 really wanted to make a difference, and he would talk about what he was going to do. And we would encourage him, and he would go home, and he would say, "Well, I want to I want to get this job. <laughs> I don't want to do this, or I want to try that." You know what he would get from the people around him? Who do you think you are? You think you're better than us? You think you're better than me? You stay here. You stay right. You're no, you're no need for you. Why would you want to go do that? Why would you want to be over? You don't need to do that. You just stay right here. Crab in the bucket. Misery loves company. Cowards love crowds. God already has his army ready to fight by your side. Now here's what you need to do. God's already, he's amassed the army. And my God never loses a battle. His army's there. Here's what you need to do. Here's what I need to do. We need to find family members who are going to be, who we can recruit to be on, on our side. We need to find friends. We need to get our counselor. We need to get our mentor. We need to get our life coach, whatever it is. You need to get to with your, with your life group. You need the body of Christ. You need those people around you who are going to follow you. And hear, hear what I'm saying. Follow you into battle. They're not going to lead the battle for you. They'll just follow. You pick up your sword and lead the charge. That's all you need to do. And they will follow you into battle. True leadership expresses itself through faith and action. And two men of unique faith were Caleb and Joshua. They were, they were true men of faith. Unlike the rest of God's people, they, they saw the challenge through the eyes of faith. 
they realize if we're going to, if we're going to achieve our goal, if we're going to turn our wounds, if you will, into scars, then we are going to have to fight. And there is no room for fear and there's no place for intimidation. There is no room for fear. We need to move forward. We can take possession of land. He said, we can certainly do it. They were ready to take on their giants. They were ready to take the land. They were ready to claim God's promise. This is important. They stood tall and they challenged all the others around them to join in. They said, join us. Don't, don't, don't do this. Don't disobey God. God is setting us up. God promised this. All we need to do is follow God's call. And most people rejected their call to join them. Most people rejected, all the people at that point rejected them because they were, here's the thing, they were afraid to face their giants. They were afraid to face the giants. And what they wanted to do instead of joining them is they wanted to stone them for even suggesting that they could turn their wounds into scars, for even suggesting that they could take on those giants and win, that even suggesting that they could live in the promised land and have all that God has for them, fulfilling their purpose and God's plan for their lives. The reason they were created, just a suggestion of that, turn these people just on Caleb and Joshua. Let's stone these dudes, they said. See, if someone wants to take a journey... If you want to take a journey and those around you don't, don't want to take the journey, then they stick out. If I'm, if we're in a crowd and a bunch of us start to run and you're not running, you stick out. And then you feel uncomfortable and ashamed. And so you want people to, you, they want you to stop or just, just slow down a little bit. You're getting, you're, you're taking this religion thing way too seriously. You know, everything in moderation. You're being, you're being, you're being, you're, you're talking crazy talk because they're ashamed. They want you to stop. They'll say things like, why, why are you doing this? This is way, this, why, why are you, you have to stay here with us where it's safe. Listen to me. If you try this, if you start taking this journey, something bad might happen. Matter of fact, I bet you, I, I know bad things are going to happen. So, you got, hear, hear what I'm saying? Listen, listen, you over here, you, you tried this already. Remember the time you went to counseling? Remember the time you did this? Remember the time you did that? You failed miserably. Same thing's going to happen to you this time. You'd be worse off than you were when you started. So listen, let's just take... Why don't we just end the series here, guys, seriously? Let's, uh, this is... Because I know, I know if we keep going forward, we're going to face an enemy that wants nothing more than to crush us and keep us in our place. So, you know, I think it might be smarter as a pastor just to call it a day. I'll start a series next week on... You know, uh, happy, happy, joy thoughts, and we'll all feel better, right? Because who wants to who wants to take this on? Because you know you're in for a fight, and you know you may not survive. Because all those people around you will they'll do everything they can to keep you in your place. I asked Jen to come and just share 
a reading from Hind's Feet in High Places that goes along with what we've been talking about. The character's name is Much Afraid, so when you hear that, I'll help um, understand. It was not very long, too, before she began to realize how much she needed their help in another way. For it was not only the steepness of the climb and her own lameness and weakness which made the journey difficult. To her surprise and distress, she found that there were enemies to meet on the way who would certainly have succeeded in making her turn back had she been alone. To explain this, we must now go back to the Valley of Humiliation and see what was happening there. Great was the wrath and consternation of the whole fearing clan when it was discovered that Much Afraid had made her escape from the valley and had actually gone off to the mountains in the company of the shepherd they hated so much. So long as she had just been ugly, crippled, and miserable little Much Afraid, her relatives had cared nothing about her. Now they find it quite intolerable that of all of them... She alone should be singled out in this way and be taken to live on the high places. Perhaps she would given, be given a service place in the palace of the great king himself. Who was much afraid that this should happen to her while the rest of the family drudged away in the Valley of Humiliation? It was not that they wanted to go to the mountains themselves, far be it, but it was intolerable that much afraid should do so. And that's the reality. It is intolerable that much afraid should go and try to do that. There will be those who stand in your way. There will be those who fight with everything in them to keep you right where you are. And when Christ calls us, though, we need to understand when Jesus Christ calls us, the victory is ours to claim. You may have to take new territory. You may have to grab beachheads. You may have to fight. But in the end, if you do, the victory, like I said earlier, it's already guaranteed because our God never loses a battle. And he's the one taking this on because he's the one calling you to do it. So if you step out and you fight and you take the land and you leave the desert, the victory is already guaranteed. But again, we need to prepare for battle. This is a process. We need to go and we need to spy out the land. Turning our wounds into scars isn't going to happen overnight for most of us. It's not going to happen overnight. We need thoughtful preparation. Caleb and Joshua, thoughtful preparation. We need to prepare. Caleb and Joshua were prepared. They were ready. They understood the cost and they were willing to make the sacrifice. They understood what the sacrifice would be, but they were willing to make the sacrifice because at the end of the road, for us, at the end of the road, there's healing and we become the person that we were created to be. And in that book, at the end of the book, her name is not much afraid. She, her name is changed. It is not much afraid. I want to encourage you to read Hind's Feet in High Places as we go through this series and practicing his presence. Hind feet in high places and practicing his presence. We need to be willing. They understood that with a battle, Caleb and Joshua understood with a battle comes losses, comes pain. And the risk, honestly, of further injury. There's no way you're going to climb the mountain without getting a little bit bruised up. Without getting a little bit battered, without facing the giants that live in that mountain trying to keep you down in the valley. But we gotta keep moving forward because if we do, we will win the day and our lives will be changed. Listen. 
I hate to I hate to say this, but it's the truth. If you make noise this way, you will attract attention. If you just sit quietly, you will be left alone. I'm just being honest. If you sit in your pew, if you sit in your seat quietly, you will be left alone. But you're also left wounded. You're also left in captivity. You're also left in slavery. You're also left in mediocrity. You're also left where you are, not fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life. So you got to make a choice. It's a choice. Healing is a choice. Healing is a choice. Do I want to make noise? Or do I want to sit quietly? Do you want to get well? That's what Jesus asked. Do you want to get well? We need to be faithful. Here's my encouragement. We need to be faithful and we need to make noise. We need to make noise. We need to, and when we make noise and the enemy comes, we need to realize and we need to claim the power of God in our lives. We need to claim God's healing power. We are going to make noise. We are going to attract attention. The enemy is going to come. But when the enemy comes, we have the power of a living God who never loses a battle on our side. And we will be victorious. At the end of the day, our wounds will be turned into scars. And we'll use those scars to build the kingdom of God, to invest in other people's lives, and to set an example to our children that this can be done. That we will not leave a legacy that our great-grandfathers and our grandfathers and our fathers left on us. We will end it. We will kill it now. Those patterns of behavior, those things that have been inflicted upon us, will not go to the next generation. If we refuse to die in the desert, if we follow Caleb and Joshua and say, we can do this, that's the choice. You want to die in the desert? You want self-fulfilling prophecy? It's a choice. But Jesus is asking, do you want to be well? Remember, 12 spies were sent out by Moses to, to, to look at the land, to, 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 to see if the land was what God had described. Ten of those, ten of those spies looked at that land and said, it can't be done. Ten. Two looked at the same thing the other ten looked at and said, it can be done, it must be done, it will be done. The question as we close out here is, what is your Canaan? What is your Canaan? What obstacles are you allowing to stand in your way? What giants make you feel like grasshoppers? God wants to turn your wounds into scars. What is keeping you from doing that? What is holding you back? Is it your past? Is it, is it your past? Then you gotta ask yourself, what lies has Satan, Satan wrote, woven into the fabric of your life? And then here's another question I didn't ask last week. What lies has he woven into the fabric of your life that is keeping you in fear and not fulfilling what God has for your life? And then here's the other question. Have you chosen to agree? He's lying. You're agreeing. Yeah, I am. I am what my dad said. I am what my 
teacher. I am that one. I'm, you know. Are you agreeing with the Those lies come from the pit of hell. Simple. They're lies. Do not agree with them. Break that agreement. You've made an agreement. Break the agreement. Truth comes from God. I said this last week. I believe it was last week. I said, when, when there's darkness in a room, when there's darkness around you, darkness has but one option when you turn the light on to flee. Darkness has one option, and that is to run, that is to flee. Now, what agreements have you made that you need to break? God is calling you to fulfill your plan and your purpose. And there are a couple ways, there are two things that you can do to overcome that. There are two things that you can do that will transform you. Two things that you can do, a few things that you can do that will help you fulfill God's calling on your life. And that leads us to our third purpose. Our third principle for this journey. And I'll tell you what it is. Next week. All right. Here's what we're going to do to close this out. Hey, honestly, we're just getting started. We are just getting started. So I want you to stand up and we're going to sing a song. It's kind of an anthem as we leave this place this morning. Love you guys.